Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. Welcome to speaklikealeader.show. And today I have a guest and I am so excited about it. This is someone who is a dear, dear friend. He's somebody I've known for a long time now, and he's somebody who's just brilliant. And before I bring him on, I just want to remind you that if you would ever like to work with me, come to ed.executivespeakingsuccess.com. All my online courses are there. I'm doing cohort-based courses. So 10 weeks, eight people, amazing results, all kinds of stuff there. Would love to have you, would love to hear your stories. And that's particularly relevant today because my guest is Dave Carroll. And Dave is the creator of United Breaks Guitars, which is still, Google says, one of the most important viral videos of all time. It's an absolutely hilarious music video that we'll get Dave to tell us a little bit more about. And if you haven't seen it, you probably should just hit pause, do a quick search for United Breaks Guitars and watch it. Dave is a storyteller fundamentally at heart, which I love. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's got a new book out that we're going to talk about. He's a songwriter. He's got a new CD out that we're going to talk about. He's also just a change maker and a difference maker in the world. And you can find him at davecarroll.com. That's Carol with two R's and two L's. So D-A-V-E-C-A-R-R-O-L-L, music, M-U-S-I-C.com. So that's where you can find him. He's on all the relevant social channels. You can link to all of that stuff from his website. And Dave, I'm thrilled to have you. Welcome. What an intro. That's an intro. Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. And, and heartfelt. I needed John Bates everywhere I go to, to <laughs> every room I walk into. I want you to walk in ahead of me. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I'm creating a great listening for you because it's how I actually feel. So, so Dave, let's start just, just to kind of, for anybody that has been under a rock on social media for the last, whatever, number of years, tell us a quick bit about United Breaks Guitars. Like it's an absolutely hilarious and beautiful and catchy and fun music video, but there's more to it, right? Yeah. Uh, I played in a band called Sons of Maxwell named after our dad, Max, uh, with my brother, Don, for we still play together, but uh, we're 30 some years into it now. But uh, in 2008, we had done this showcase uh, and it was for a bunch of people that might buy our show. One of them was the University of Nebraska and they asked us to go to Nebraska to play some shows there. And we flew United Airlines for the first time ever. And they took our guitars, put them in the belly of the plane and ultimately some baggage handlers in Chicago damaged my uh, what I felt and was very expensive and treasured guitar to me, my Taylor guitar that I bought for 35 yes. bucks. Yeah. And uh, they didn't want to fix it. So I in turn promised United that I would write three songs and make three videos on this thing called YouTube that I'd heard about. <laughs> and, uh, this could work. And uh, so I promised them that I would make these three videos and had friends that thankfully came together and we made a good sounding record and a great looking video all on a $150 budget and posted it to YouTube and it went viral very quickly. And in four days, I reached my goal of 
with all three videos of getting a million views. Uh, with the first with, video. With just the one video, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and people started to take note because uh, it wasn't just a cat flushing the toilet again. It was yeah. It was this thing on YouTube that actually had some uh, some meat to it, and some people yeah. were taking notice, and it ended up affecting United Airlines stock to some amount. And, uh, and <laughs> it, so, it tanked their stock hmm. price. Yeah. So uh, that became worldwide news because boardrooms around the world were now waking up to the fact that one customer with this new social media tool could actually share their story. And, and if it was entertaining or captivating or engaging enough, then uh, people would listen. And so you couldn't own your brand the same way you could before. So it took on all these different spokes of interest and, and impacts. And I feel like I've just been uh, riding the comet of that as wherever it goes and, and learning as I go along too and change my life in a bunch of ways. Yeah. Well, you know, and one of the things that I tell people when I tell people about this, because I do tell people about this all the time, is that I think one of the reasons that that happened for you is because fundamentally you're a really good guy. And I think it was really obvious in the videos that they had done you wrong and you, with a little bit of humor and still some compassion, talking about it, you know? And, uh, and um, you know, I just think it's so hilarious, too. It's so funny. And you got your, uh, your fellow firefighters up there. You're a volunteer firefighter way up north, right? Uh, not anymore, but I, I was for five years at the time. And, yeah. yeah, definitely got everyone involved. It was shot at the Waverly Station 41 Fire Hall. So, uh-huh. Yeah, everyone participated. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's such a brilliant. You just got to go watch it. I mean, I like, you know, just hit pause, come back, but go watch it. Um and and uh and I think that um so you've done a lot of speaking and you wrote a book about it and it and really made that point, right? That that all of a sudden customers have a whole new level of power and and say and input and impact on your brand, right? You can't just hide yeah. behind being United Airlines and have your PR flax go deal with it, right? Yeah, I had different looks at this this story from all the different angles uh, as the guy who had his guitar broken, as uh, the guy whose brand was elevated because my grandmother was in the second video and she ended up getting a, a part in an Olympia Dukakis movie because of her work. And, and I tell that story everywhere I go all over the world because it reminded me that my brand and everyone's brand rest upon the stories of other people. Yeah. And so the, this idea that uh, we are all storytellers, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Totally agree. And we all have an interesting story to tell. We just need to become better at telling it. And yeah. so I don't, I don't think there was anything remarkable about my guitar being broken because every musician I know has had a broken guitar by an airline. But yeah. somehow in the way that I, the platform I used and not knowing how it would go, but it did, there was something about the way I told the story that made it the number one music video in the world for a month. And uh, <laughs> say that again. Insane, right? Say say that again. Yeah, the, the what? The number one music video in the world for the month of July in 2009 was United Breaks Guitars. And that's so rad. Yeah. And uh it was that song of all the songs I wrote, I wouldn't have thought that one would be <laughs> and, and it doesn't matter. I don't care. Like it was such a cool experience to have that happen, right? And and yeah. to be part of that and have that uh as part of my legacy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool. So, um, so I mean, and you know, I'm looking right over there at my Taylor guitar yep. 
that I have because of you. <clears throat> so, you know, it tanked United's brand and it certainly floated Taylor's brand into the stratosphere. <clears throat> Just really, really cool. Yeah. And, and, and again, I think the message for everybody listening from that is that, you know, your clients matter. Everybody's got a voice now have your clients telling good stories about you instead of bad stories. And it's going to be, that's, that's worth making happen. Right. Yeah. Well, a really good friend of mine here in, in uh, around Waverly where I live is his name's Tim Brody. And he's, uh, he's in the psychology field, but he's a, he's a deep thinker too. And, you know, yeah. sometimes you hear a song and like, I wish I heard that I wrote that song. Well, uh-huh. he, he came up with an acronym. It's like, Oh, damn you for having such a good acronym. Yeah. He goes yeah. with the acronym of air about appreciation, inclusion, and respect. Yeah. You you need those three elements. If you don't have air, you don't survive, right? And so yeah. you can't have a social environment if you don't offer and expect to get appreciation, inclusion, respect. And yeah. uh, and I think that's what's missing in so many customer service failures, but within organizations too, and uh, internally, externally, it, everywhere you go, you got to give it, you got to get it, right? To have a good yeah. relationship with anyone. Yeah. That's fabulous. I love it. And you didn't stop writing songs after that. You've written a bunch of beautiful, gorgeous songs since then. And there's a collection of them that you just put out called Until One Day. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Until yeah. One Day. Dave's holding it up. Like this is only sound, but oh. uh, it, it's got a beautiful <laughs> cover. And, um, and, I don't know and, why I washed my hair for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I should have told you. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll go back to the archives and free up the videos. But okay. uh, but um, but I like the intimacy of just audio. Actually, you yeah, know, yeah, I it like makes it. it easier and um, makes it easier for people to take us on a run with them or something. So um, so at the end of the near the end of the podcast. Um, I'll ask you to play a song from that. Does that sound good? Yeah, love to. So, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, but you also have a new book out yeah. and it's, it's, uh, it's a special book. Will you tell us about it? Yeah. So uh, I have two boys, Flynn and Fisher, they're 12 and nine, but a few years ago, uh, about three years ago, uh, I would lie in bed with both of them on different occasions and stuff. And, and uh, I love stories. So I would riff a story just, they'd say, yeah. Say, give me the conditions or something, and I'd try and riff one. Uh, hey, that's so, a great idea. So my dad had uh, taken our kids to church and was coming home, and it was in wintertime. And uh, my son pointed to a, a cemetery and said, what's that? My dad said, well, that's where you go when you die. And and he, that's kind of where he left it. And, and my <laughs> son was scandalized. He's like, in a box under the snow in the dark forever? And, and it was like <laughs> horrible picture of what afterlife is stuff and, and uh, like, so i i sort of riffed this story that takes uh, a character named tom on a, a cycle of life and so tom is a tomato plant and he's smaller than all the rest and not uh he doesn't remember what he was before a tomato plant but he goes to a farmer's market and is overlooked in favor of all the bigger more robust plants and he's dejected until one day a family comes along and says, uh, the little girl says, why is that plant all by itself? And and they start to look at him uh, more closely and they agree to take him home and they give him all the things that he needs to succeed and have this wonderful life. And he in return strives to uh, give them everything they need and grows them four great tomatoes that they take in and uh, 
it's late in the season and Tom, uh, at the end of the story, uh, the snow starts to fall on him and he starts to remember what he was before a tomato plant and, uh, and, uh, is full of gratitude for a life well lived and, and he goes to sleep at the end. And, uh, and so that story, uh, for me, it has a lot of themes that I, I thought are important for people about appreciating yourself, about caring for other people and compassion and not to be afraid of, uh, of death and dying. But let's get a conversation with kids and let them know that it's just part of life, but it's not the end of something. It's just part of the process. And, uh, yeah. and so I've, I've uh, worked with an illustrator and, and uh, I'm really proud of it. it. It looks really good. And, and uh, I think the message is in line with what I say at my, my uh, adult keynotes and, and workshops. Uh-huh. That's fabulous. I love it. I can't wait to get a copy and read it to Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love it. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, it is interesting, right? How, um, cause I do, I, you've, you've, we've worked together and I know, uh, a, a little bit about your origin story. And I think it's so interesting how, uh, life just is so internally consistent in some ways, right? These messages and themes that you talk about are things that you've thought about and talked about for a really long time. And they just, they're just new iterations and new incarnations. But I think that um, stories and, and the value of individuals and kindness and connection, these are Dave Carroll, you know, and it's just, you find new, interesting, cool, beautiful, touching ways to talk about these themes because they're what really matter to you. Yeah, absolutely. Co- compassion is, uh, when I, I started becoming a speaker, I was just sort of thrown into it. Somebody asked if I would tell my story and I said, yes. And they gave me money. So I became a professional yeah. speaker. That's how, <laughs> that's how I justified it. And, um, uh, for the first few years I talked about connection cause I saw that right away that someone said, why was this popular? And it's because you and I, and everyone in the world are, are fundamentally connected. We have more in common with each other than we don't. And I think the problems with uh, society and all the confrontation and the polarization is because we're forgetting all the stuff we have in common and we're focusing on the things that we disagree on. And I think that's a foundation for disaster. But um, as I went forward, I thought, well, okay, that's that's true. I believe that. But then there's this other aspect of uh, what do we do about that? If we are fundamentally connected, and then I think we have a fundamental obligation to try and uh, uh, feel that more often. And the only way to do that, I've discovered, is through compassion. It's not just like a nice little theory that you throw out there uh, to make people feel good. I think it's the fast track to actually benefiting you and the other person rather than a polarized sort of me versus you or one or the other. It's for me and you. And so uh, I've thought a lot about that and I developed what I call compassionate design. And it's, it's a very simple process that has three pillars. The first, uh, I call them love, look, and look again. Love is to love and respect yourself a little bit more, to appreciate what you bring to the party and know that you have a unique story and a, and, and a perspective that no one else in the world has. So you're valued. The second one is to uh, look. And that means uh, for me to appreciate that you also have that unique ability and story that, that no one else has and to be curious about who you are and get excited about what you might be able to teach me. And the third thing is to look again, which means to appreciate that I've got this going on and you've got this going on. But if I look deeply enough, I will find something in you that I recognize in myself. 
And if I love and respect myself first, then we have the basis of a fantastic relationship. That's a great foundation to begin from. And uh, if companies did that for their customers, if they did that for their employees, if the employees thought about their management that way, uh, people would automatically not come at things confrontationally. And it's amazing what can happen when you get curious about each other, right? Yeah. So wow. That's design. That's fabulous. That, do, do, do you have any um, any stories of how people you've worked with have applied this? Is that fair for me to ask? Yeah, uh, I see it. Uh, I see it all the time. But um, uh, I guess it in, in terms of customer service, in my case, they they dug in. It's it's not our fault. It's your fault. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of companies that uh, on a regular basis will take responsibility. Just saying you're sorry, right? Yeah, saying you're right. sorry. If United would have just said, "Hey, we're sorry. Here's twelve hundred bucks." Yeah, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have like tanked their stock price and still kind of be a laughing stock. How many? How many views are you at now with United Breaks Guitars? I think it's it's coming up to twenty one million. Twenty one million. Yeah. That's just so classic. Yeah, and uh, and I think there's there's videos that have a billion hits, and I don't know how they sure. got to a billion, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a big number. But I think the the impact for United goes beyond YouTube. That's a, it is a big number, but it's how it went into different places that universities yeah. do courses that talk about it, or Harvard, yeah. or Columbia, or yeah. yeah, Harvard does a case study around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things that blew my mind is somebody mentioned that uh, because of uh, it was a professor at Columbia University. They said it had a, a foundational effect on the multi-billion-dollar social media listening industry. The companies like Radiant Six that started talking about it all the time, and they yeah. used that as a case study for why you need to start caring about your customers. And, and yeah, a lot of money. I wish I got royalties on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be <laughs> nice, huh? But, uh, but it's nice to know that. Yeah, it went that way. So, so just. Just out of that compassionate design, even something as simple as just saying, I'm sorry, you know, and then, yeah, it, why is that so hard for people? <laughs> you know, well, I know in, in uh, especially in the United States, saying you're sorry does imply responsibility sometimes. And that's why uh-huh. lawyers always like, don't say you're sorry. You know, if you're in an accident, don't say you're sorry. Yeah. 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 And, uh, that needs to change, I think. Because, I uh, think, you know, you could say, I'm sorry, this happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then that's not some admission of responsibility, but it's just a genuine human response. Wow. I'm sorry, this happened. Yep. Yep. For sure. And uh, I think we're starting to move that in that direction. I know, yeah. uh, I think in, I think in Canada, they, that there's something on the books that saying you're sorry doesn't imply that anymore. So it, it sort yeah. of opens the gates to allow people to show some compassion and, and allow yeah. people to receive it, right? Without Wow, that's cool. I had not heard that. That's yeah. really cool. But you know, along these lines, just as a as a, a kind of an aside but related, um, there is an article that I just read and I can find it and send it to you, Dave. But uh I think it was in The Economist, even of all kind of the weird places for something like this. But they there was just a, an experiment where they had people when they meet strangers, they said, OK, this group, you talk about kind of, you know, superficial subjects, talk about the weather or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And then to other people, they said, OK, when you meet strangers, talk, go for something really deep, like just immediately go deep. Yeah. And so 
it was interesting because the people who were instructed to talk about something, you know, kind of minor, they had less anxiety about it, but it was way more awkward. <laughs> the people who went in and were instructed to just, you know, so what's the most meaningful moment in your life? You know, like something deep. Yeah. They had more anxiety going in, but the conversations turned out way better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that combined with something that I read a while ago that friendship takes a certain amount of time. And there's there's only one way to shortcut how much time it takes to make a really true friend. And that's to talk about important things. Mm-hmm. That will shorten the time it takes to really achieve a deep friendship. So, you know, I think that that goes very much with, with what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. I think we have this anxiety that has us stay shallow yeah. when really going deep is much more fulfilling and, and actually causes less anxiety. Well, you see it with, uh, I've got a, a dog. I go walk in every morning with, with the dog and, and, uh, it's pretty amazing that, you know, animals, when they dogs meet each other, they let each other smell their most private parts or they lay down <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, complete vulnerability, right. To, yeah. to build instant trust. And then, and dogs will do that. And within like two minutes, they're best friends, but they got that yeah. out of the way. And, but everybody else sort of holds on to their vulnerability and doesn't yeah. share the stories, but absolutely. Uh, I have a storytelling workshop that I do with people and uh, I do mention you in that. And uh we do an introduction exercise that I've borrowed some of the stuff I've learned from you on how to give a proper introduction instead of saying, hi, I'm Dave Carroll. And then tell them things. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, I tell them to wait for your name at the end after you've said some things worth remembering. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. Thank you for that. But, uh, You're welcome. but, uh, in the, one of the exercises that I found really powerful is uh, I call it the values exercise where I give people a big page of values. And if the one your favorite isn't there, add, add it to the list, but, come up with five. And then now that you've got a list of five, so you don't have the anxiety of having to come up with the one. Yeah. Uh, now you've got a list of five. Now come up with one. So what's your favorite value out of that list? And then uh, I say, take a look around the room if it's an internal working thing. And I say, find a, a, uh, an example of someone in your company that has exhibited this value and write a story across a story arc with a little bit of tension. Like it doesn't have to be long. Uh-huh. And it's not, not polished, but it's amazing because you give them 10, 15 minutes and they write and they, they might say, uh, you know, I, my favorite value is uh, attention. So you're, you're really good at paying attention to people, active listening, right? And so I might say, I had a problem one day and I went and I asked John his opinion and, I, and John dropped everything and he looked at me like he was listening to everything I was saying. So I knew I, I had his full attention and I told him my thing and he gave me some really good advice and it changed my life because I did this. So, uh, you know, thank you. And in front of a room full of people, everyone hears that. And the person saying it gets the joy of telling someone how they change their life for the better. Uh, And receiving it might not even ever have known that they made that impact. They are they're like, overwhelmed. And everybody in the room because of mirror neurons and everything else, they they got hit with the same thing as though it happened to them. And so their oxytocin and cortisol levels adjust as they should. And uh, the whole room gets better. And everyone in the room gets a chance to go and 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 do that to give and receive and it's based on values and then the the company that hired me to come and do it if they're smart they're taking notes uh now understanding what the most important value is to everyone in the room so you can now say if if it's paying attention well i'm going to remember the next time i really need to pay attention to you 
right? And somebody else might be something else. So it's it's a, a short exercise that has like gigantic impact, right? Yeah. yeah. And now can I ask you a question? Because it's that sounds like one of those things that um if people heard that's what they were gonna do, I think they might like call in sick or be scared or at least think it's going to be, oh my gosh, yeah, that sounds terrible. But then when people do it, it's one of the best things they ever did in their life. Yeah. And and I find that if I have enough time working with the the, the group, I've I've already done my spiel and bared my soul and yeah. them up with some storytelling and and given them some tools on how to tell a story. So by the, yeah. the time they do it, there's some trust built in the room. Yes. And uh it's pretty revealing. There's some people that really shared some heavy stuff that, and someone's like, I never, I never thought that. Yeah. I, never, yeah. I would never have known I did that. And, and yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Well, you know, I mean, stories are it, right? Stories are it. This is how everything important came to us for the vast majority of our history as a species is in the form of a story because that's how we remembered complicated things. It's how we remembered important things. There were the the myths and the stories of our tribes and all of that. And it's just, it's, we are just made for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think, uh, I think of storytelling as a superpower and it's backed up by science, right? It's uh, absolutely. It is. If I, if I, if there's a pot of water on the stove and I, I stare at it as long as I want, I'm not going to raise the temperature on, on that, (laughs) but I can uh, have a podcast with you or call you on the phone. And if I tell you a story that comes from the heart and hits you in the heart, your heart rate will go up. Your body temperature will go up. Your oxytocin. I will change your physiology with a story from a distance. That's something out of a Marvel comic, right? It totally is. I rose another person's temperature from 10,000 miles away. Like how is yeah. that possible, right? And and we all have this ability and we walk around thinking we don't have a superpower. All we yeah. need to do is to, is hone it and we can change yeah. the world. We can change people's, not just their physiology, but their very next move. Yeah. Amen, Dave. That's brilliant. I totally love that. Have I you ever heard of- uh, quoting you. Pardon me? Have you ever heard of Paul Zak? I haven't. And he's a, a researcher, and I, I tell this story in, in my talks about storytelling because he he studied oxytocin and cortisol, and he had two groups, a control and experimental group, and he brought them into two theaters at different times, and they got a stipend for being part of this this experiment, and they were shown uh, videos, and the the control group uh, was shown like a very data, just a factual video, boring. Uh. And it had the expected result. No big changes on the oxytocin. <laughs> no result, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they sent them on their way. And the other group, though, was shown this really emotionally uh, charged video of a man pushing his daughter on a swing and, and his voiceover saying it's bittersweet because every time I push her, it's one less time because she's got terminal cancer. And, yeah, right? And it's, and it's got the music and everything. And and so the, the oxytocin cortisol levels are going off the charts. And... Uh, and that sort of proved that yes, a story could change people's chemistry. But the interesting thing is that both people, when or both groups, when they were leaving the theater, there was a booth set up asking for money, donations for something. Yeah. And the control group mostly walked by it with their stipend money, and the people that saw the compassionate thing, many of them gave all of their money to that organization. So that's giant, right? It shows that yeah. if you can change someone's physiology with a story and and tug at their heartstrings and and make them feel something. P- profound you actually control their next move right they they left the theater and their next move was to give something of themselves to somebody else that's that's 
again, giant. That's a, that's that's a superpower. Yeah. Well, I mean, and with great power comes great responsibility, right? This Peter is Parker. Yes. Th- this is only to be used for the light side of the force. The problem, I think, is that the dark side of the force has this dialed, mm. you know. And I think a lot of the people on the light side of the force don't have this as dialed, and you know, that's like not being as good with a lightsaber. You know, like it, we really need people with good intentions on the light side of the force to understand this better and to 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 use this better for good ends authentically and yeah. genuinely you know mm-hmm. yeah that's what i did with um with my cd like i have ups and downs like anybody else and i can write a song that's angry and vengeful and and yep. i could use that i could get people fired up about something but i yep. intentionally chose on this cd there's 11 songs they're all there uh to to do what you just sort of described there's enough yeah. uh, animosity and confrontation on social media and stuff like that. No. that I wanted people to hear these songs and feel good about, you know, I found 11 different ways to look at life in a more positive way. Or, and it's not always a happy way, but it, like it could be a moving way, but it, it could be, uh, uh, there's some emotion in some of the songs, but yeah. at the end, it's supposed to make you feel closer to somebody, right. And including yeah. yourself, maybe. And uh, that's, that's, I think, my responsibility. I can do it. I can choose to do it. And I know the power that comes with it. I know that's, that's an option that I can choose. And so I'm choosing it. That's awesome. Well, it's nice to have you on the light side of the force, Mr. Carroll. <laughs> you're, you're a, you, the force is strong with you. Um, and, and speaking of that, would you like to play a song? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've got a guitar on my wall here. <laughs> yeah, you got a bunch of cool guitars on your wall and a banjo. I keep the banjo there to uh, to torment me. I'm not, yeah, 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 that's what it would do. I'm not getting any too. better at it. And uh, <laughs> banjo is one of those things you you have a personal responsibility to the world to get good on your own before you start playing it in front of somebody else. I think. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree with that. So, so Dave, what are you going to play? And and will you tell us a little bit about it first? Yeah. So this uh, we talked about this before. I think I played it before the giant yeah uh, for you yep. and, uh, i love this one because I, I have a little boy too right yes uh so uh i have two sons and my oldest son flynn was uh again probably three years ago was uh doing what a lot of kids do and they get down on themselves because they try something for the first time and they don't get it and it's like i'll never get it and yeah. uh, that sort of thing and and so it wasn't a big deal but it struck me that uh I would like him to grow up changing that pattern, that thought pattern and to yeah. be more open and to realize that he's got uh, amazing potential and that he just needs to to learn that. Yeah. So when I was, uh, when I became a parent and became a dad, I thought uh, the best gift I could give to my kids would be for them to know that they were loved unconditionally by at least two people or mom and dad. And, uh, and because I started late, I was 40 when Flynn was born. I realized that if things go as they're supposed to, uh, and I hope they do that, there will be a big chunk of his life where I'm not here. And, yeah. uh, and so I don't want the pressure of that uh, uh, on him that if I go, that he's just lost one of the only people that ever loved him unconditionally. I thought right. maybe I should spend my time trying to make him unconditionally love himself. Yeah. And that way he carries that with him wherever he goes for the rest of his life. And that would be the yeah. best gift I could give my kids. And so yeah. uh, I wrote this. See why uh, I love Dave Carroll so much. 
So I wrote this song with that in mind and uh, it kind of slayed me when it was done because I realized that this isn't just a song for your kid, it's a song for yourself. I, when I realized yeah. how many times I've been hard on myself for different ways throughout yeah. my life, it's because I didn't appreciate who I really was and uh, uh, what my potential is. So uh, yeah. called The Giant. There's nothing you could do, there's nothing you could say To cause the love I have for you to shrink or fade away There's nothing about you I would change, but one thing I regret Is that you don't recognize the giant I see as a yet But I'm gonna work on you Yes, I'm gonna work so hard, so hard on you. One day you will realize the impact that you made when you look behind and see the giant footprints that remain. And you'll love the one you've always been without being afraid. I'll know my work is through when you see the giant in you. There's nothing more I want to you, but one thing that I fear is that you may never love the face that looks back in the mirror and i know that my words are weak but this is where we start they'll take on new meaning when you know them in your heart but i'm gonna work on you Yes, I'm going to work so hard, so hard on you. One day you will realize the impact that you made when you look behind and see the giant footprints that remain. And you'll love the one you've always been without being afraid. I'll know my work is through when you know the giant in you. There's nothing you could do, there's nothing you could say to cause the love I have for you to shrink or fade away Cause I'm gonna work on you Yes, I'm gonna work so hard And one day soon You'll know the giant is you Wow.
that's just beautiful. It just makes me weep. Thanks, John. You know, Dave, I'm so glad you're in my life. And I was thinking about Elizabeth and TEDx Hoboken. And, you know, God, that's been a while now, huh? That's That's got to be 10 years, I think. I think so. And, yeah. uh, and I'm just, you know, I just really appreciate your friendship. And I appreciate what you bring to the world. And... Uh, you know, it makes it easier for me to get out of bed knowing that you're out there fighting the good fight too. No, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I remember the when we met in uh, in Hoboken, and yeah, instantly, uh, I think we we uh, became fast friends. But I think you do that <laughs> everywhere you go, right? Well, you know, uh, with people like you, Dave, you know, uh, and I do, and I really, you know, I do think just to say this again, you know, 21 million views. I don't think that that United Breaks Guitars would have had anywhere near the same effect if it didn't come from you, you know, and and come with that uh, blend of compassion and humor and humanity that that I think is just really a part of everything you do. I I, I think that's an underappreciated aspect of what happened there, you know. I would I would agree with that, and and I would probably add too that. Uh... If I had written the song on the second day or something, it would have been a much angrier song. And uh, <laughs> I fully admit that I have my bad days and I'm a work in progress like anybody else. Sure, so, all of us. So yeah. Practice, right? To try and choose yeah. the, the the lighter path and that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm very much a work in progress like everybody else. But So you had a little bit of, you had a little bit of distance from it by the time you actually yeah. got the song done. Yeah. It's almost, almost like, uh, baby, it was about nine months uh, yeah. that it, it took to hear from Miss Earlwig and the promise was made and that sort of thing. By then it was a comedy yeah. airs. And so the song took on a, a comedic sort of a yeah. silly, silly tone. Yeah. That's so funny. That's awesome. Well, so uh, listen, I, I, I hope you'll join me again sometime soon and I want to respect your time. I know we're getting to the top of the hour. Uh, is there anything I didn't ask you about that, that you, wanted to share or, or any last thoughts or anything for us? Uh, no, I think, I think you touched on everything. I guess the, in terms of uh, contacting me, you mentioned the website, that is how people get in touch with me. And, and uh, I do uh, one of the things I like about how this has all worked out with United Breaks Guitars is when people want to put you in a, in a box and say, uh, when the video went, went viral and I started speaking, people said, I guess you're not a musician anymore. And, <laughs> and I reject all of that. I just, I think yeah. online at all. So not only am I a musician, but now I'm telling other people's stories with song. I call, you know, the tech model, the SAS model. I yeah. call my SAS model songwriting as a service. So there you go. That's and, awesome. And so because I, I agree with you that we all have a, a story to tell, I think everybody uh, has a story worth hearing about, but then may not know how to tell it. Or yeah. so I have a client now who's, just hired me to write a, a song for his mother's 75th birthday as a gift to her. And it's a great experiment because uh, uh, it's a surprise. And yeah. I need to know everything about this woman so I can write a song that sums up her life. And oh, that means the son Dude. and all the family are, are thinking about all the things and it's very therapeutic for them to remember. And so I'm getting these long emails about, I remember this time with my mom or this, she, she did this. Oh. And uh, it, and it's a it's a good feeling. And I've met other musicians who are like, oh, I don't I don't get it. I don't want to know why you do that. If you, it's not going to yeah. be on radio, it's just one small audience. 
Yeah, it's a, yeah. a very meaningful thing to a very small audience, and it's very <laughs> yeah. cool. <right? laughs> that is so cool. That's really, really cool. So um, I can't wait to hear it. I hope they'll let you play it other places. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's all about the story and uh, sharing from the heart, right? There you go. Well, listen, I think that's a, a great outro. It's all about the story and sharing from the heart. Yep. And you heard it here on Speak Like a Leader.show from Dave Carroll. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank you too, Dave. It's great to see you. You as well. And thank you very much for listening. And, you know, I uh, I got a challenge. I was on a podcast recently and the host challenged me to acknowledge my audience. And boy, that sounded like a challenge I wanted to take. So I just want to thank you, first of all, for listening. But even more than that, I want to thank you because you are a leader and you're someone who is out to make a big difference in the world. And I know that you take time to develop yourself and that you pay attention to what you're doing and that you are thoughtful and kind most of the time. We're all a work in progress. And I just love being around other people who care that much too. So Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being the kind of leader that you are, whether you are at the top of the hierarchy leading from there or whether you're someone who leads from further down in the hierarchy. I just want you to know you're very special because you care so much about what you do and you take yourself on every day and you bring your best to the game, no matter how it might go on any day, you're always bringing your best. And that's super special. So keep it up. And thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being here. Thanks, John. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go be awesome. Awesome.